In Southeast Agnet's Ag in Review for the week ending August 5th, it's now up to a lame duck Congress to act on the Trans-Pacific Partnership trade deal backed by most of agriculture. It would then be up to the new administration to deal with the outcome. Lame duck congressional leaders will have to decide that the votes are there to bring up the trade deal. President Barack Obama said this past week he's still president and is in favor of the trade deal and is actually launching his final push for congressional passage of TPP. Well, right now I'm president. And I'm for it. And uh, you know, people said we weren't going to be able to get the uh, trade authority to even present this before Congress. And somehow we muddled through and got it done. And I intend to do the same with respect uh, to the actual agreement. Obama is using a White House visit from Singapore's leader to launch his final TPP push. He's assuring the prime minister that despite long odds, Congress will ratify his legacy trade deal before Obama leaves office. But then again, there's the congressional schedule. And Kent Backus of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association explains. Realistically, there's only going to be about you know, three or four weeks of time to really operate in Congress and to, and to move pieces of legislation forward. They'll be looking at the budget. They'll also be looking at any end-of-the-year policies that need to be passed and, and policies at the end of this administration. Backus calls it very positive for the president to make TPP a priority for the lame duck session, but warns of the risk if the trade agreement does not pass. Quite frankly, if it doesn't happen by the end of this year, it'll be very difficult to pass with the new administration in 2017. Now, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell of Kentucky and House Speaker Paul Ryan of Wisconsin earlier downplayed TPP's chances this year, though others say the votes may be there in the Senate, but not yet in the House. Well, Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack announced Thursday that approximately $11.2 million in financial assistance will be made for American dairy producers enrolled in the 2016 Margin Protection Program for Dairy, or MPP. The payment rate for May-June 2016 will be the largest since the program began in 2014. The narrowing margin between milk prices and the cost of feed trigger the payments as provided for by the 2014 Farm Bill. Vilsack said, we understand the nation's dairy producers are experiencing challenges due to market conditions, and MPP dairy payments are part of a farm safety net that help to provide dairy producing families with greater peace of mind during tough times. He said dairy operations enrolled in the 2016 MPP dairy program will receive approximately $11.2 million this month, and he wants to urge dairy producers to use this opportunity to evaluate their enrollment options for 2017, as the enrollment period is currently scheduled to end on September 30th. Now, dairy producers who are enrolled at the $6 through $8 margin trigger level will receive payments. MPP dairy payments are triggered when the national average margin, that's the difference between the price of milk and the cost of feed, falls below a level of coverage selected by the dairy producer, ranging from 4 to $8 for a specified consecutive two-month period. To learn more about the MPP payment rates, go to our website, southeastagnet.com. Well, in other news, cotton prices are nowhere near where growers would like to see them, and that's why Cotton Board Chairman Aaron Barcelo says that's one of their biggest challenges. That's one of our biggest challenges with Cotton Board and Cotton Corporation is trying to increase demand again. And, and you know, we're fighting that battle, and, and there's some really exciting things going on with Cotton Incorporated and the Cotton Board. You know, we're starting to see this thing turn a little bit, which is uh, encouraging to all of us. So, I mean, there's some new innovation that we've got going with Cotton Incorporated. You know, we're hoping we can get a little piece of that athletic. So, you know, that athleisure market is something we, we've got some exciting stuff happening there and just some new uh, 
opportunities that we're trying to embrace and move on. So there's a lot of really talented people at Cotton Incorporated that are working on behalf of the producers and importers, and, and we're really starting to see some uh, results coming our way. So we're excited about that part of it. Uh, USDA's latest peanut stocks and processing report indicates there was another good month for usage of peanuts. Tyron Spearman has the details. Peanut stocks and processing has been issued by USDA. This is the 11th month of the marketing year. Some good news for peanut usage. In June was another positive month. Peanut usage up 7.9% for the month and now up 3.8% for the year. The amazing figure is a sudden increased use of peanut butter, up 16% for the month compared to June of last year. Peanut snacks slowed down somewhat, but have an annual usage of an amazing 17.9%. But another good month for peanut usage as farmers get ready to harvest this crop. I'm Tyron Spearman for Southeast AgNet. Kathy Isom tells us about the month-long celebration for one of the best fruits of the summer, the peach. For many, August may symbolize the beginning of the end of summer and back to school, but it's also the month that celebrates a popular summer fruit. August is National Peach Month. Believe it or not, peaches are part of the rose family. And while Georgia may be known as the peach state, the most peaches are actually grown in California, which produces about half of the U.S. crop. Peaches are not only juicy and tasty, they're packed with nutrition. One large peach is only 68 calories, but is full of vitamin A, C, and plenty of dietary fiber. You can eat them right off the tree, bake them in pies, pickle them, grill them, and mix them in smoothies. So many options. You can bet farmers markets and produce stands will be brimming over with this wonderful fruit for the next few weeks, but they're going fast. I'm Kathy Isom, Southeast Agnet. And to wrap up this week's podcast, Ever Griner talks about research possibly finding the problem for the honeybee issue. Study of the honeybee problem uh, seems to have hit a dead end. Actually, there's more research going on now than ever, but what I'm reading now seems to indicate that chemicals and the varroa mite are the main problem. No, the search won't end until a solution is found, but one university research team has almost said the poison is the problem. Now, this is new. There's some kind of device that can remove mites from the bee as it crawls through the hive. Then the bee eats the mite. That's all I know about that, but it may help with the varroa mite problem. As food production demand increases, the honeybee becomes more critical. Other pollinators generally collect just enough for their own needs. That tells you how valuable the honeybee is. And that's Ag Review for today. Everett Grinder, Southeast Agnet. Those reports and more from this past week can be found on our website, southeastagnet.com. Randall Wiseman, Southeast Agnet.